This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Mark. I'm Matt Miller. I'm Matt Henry. And I'm Lena. And it's recording, right? Yes. Oh, God. It's, it's recording. We had the golden intro, the and last one. Yeah. It was pretty sweet. And it was not captured. Oh, gosh. I mean, it was so good. <laughs> yeah, Nobody's this would have caused people to weep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, revival sweeps the land, but they'll never be known. Oh well, that's uh, unfortunate. It was not this. Anyhow, so what are we talking about? We are going to give some tips for family devotions. It's beginning of the new year, so we we're trying to give some things that were would be helpful to people as they're thinking about that year, right? Right. Um, so people want to make some changes in their life, um, and and whenever the idea of family devotions comes up, there's oftentimes this sense of foreboding. Um, uh, like most things, th- th- they think about the resolutions they're going to make, and and they realize, you know, I've I've started so many, I've never finished them. But for for a Christian, I think the new year should always come with hope, uh, because God is exceedingly kind to us. Um, as we stumble through this life and even on our best days or our best years, uh, they're pitiful um, if we could really see them in the eyes of God and yet he's kind to us. And they're just like our little kids making their bed, right? And you look look at your three-year-old daughter who's showing it and you're like, I'm so proud of you, but it, it, it was a poorly done job. Uh, so we've taught uh, on the doctrine of Satan in our theology series and, and one of the primary things we've mentioned over and over again is that Satan uh, is is a man or a per- person who speaks lies and he does it through false teaching that shows up in a variety of ways, uh, many times very, very subtle ways. Um, and with New Year resolutions, I see him doing this in a couple of ways. Uh, as Mark is adjusting my microphone, I'm now trying to read my notes. Like, like, Satan distracting the speaker of a I'm podcast. Try, I'm trying to get people can hear you. Get thee behind me. Yeah. No. <laughs> get thee behind me. <laughs> Anyhow. All right. So my point <laughs> is that we, <laughs> yes, because I, this podcast is what he wants to stop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, faith and fable, man. That's we it. are exposing the fables That's that true. he is all about. So with New Year's resolutions, I, I really do think that it's one of the ways that he deceives us. Um the f- first way that he do it is is uh, fooling you into thinking that because you broadcast to everyone on Facebook or Instagram about your decisions uh, and resolutions that it means you'll actually do them. Um, and we see this every year, people posting all the things they're going to do. And I just shake my head. I'm like, you haven't finished anything, so why are you telling everybody? But but we fool ourselves into thinking more highly of ourselves and our faithfulness. But the second is also the opposite of it. Uh, he brings to your mind the countless failures you've had, and he whispers in your ear, basically, that you'll fail yet again, so why try? And so it's that age-old trick of just accusing the believer. Both of those are just, I, I would argue that they have a satanic aspect to them of um, w- when you think about resolutions and what you're going to, as you're looking forward to the next year as the Lord is willing, um, you want to think biblically 
Uh, so for anyone thinking about doing some sort of family worship, uh, avoid those two pitfalls. Don't announce to the whole world you're going to start. And also don't buy the lie that why bother because I haven't been able to do it for the last 10 years. Um, today what we're wanting to do is just give you some simple suggestions on doing family devotions uh, for those who want to begin to do them. It's not designed to be for those who are well established in the habit. So if you've if you got this down, um, you know, just listen, see if there's maybe some helpful pointers. But it's really for the novice or the ones who failed over and over and over again. All right, so we're going to give some tips now. Yeah. So first one um, is to figure out where your family is uh, in terms of their spirituality or their maturity. Um, in terms of spiritual things. Now, it's, it's very obvious, but it's often missed. Um, so questions you can ask is, you know, first, are your children, are they believers? Um, is there a mix among your children? Are some believers and some not yet believers? Um, are you perhaps a person who came to faith after starting a family and now they're looking at you and wondering where the heck mom or dad went? Yeah, that that's a huge one for a lot of... Yeah, yeah like what are you trying to do or... Yeah, we've never done this before, and I'm 16. <laughs> right, right. Why, yeah. Um, you know, so uh, can can your children f find a book of the Bible? Um, you know, if not, then start each time, for instance, with the Bible drill for, for older ones, ones who can read. You know, motivate them with candy. Have you ever, um, did you grow up doing Bible drills? Oh, yeah. How about you guys? Awana, yeah. You never did that. Yeah, we used to do it for our <laughs> evening service. We we would actually do it. The women always beat the men. Always yeah. beat the men. Just destroyed them. In fact, I actually went to three of the men and gave them verses that I was going to call out. And willfully was, oh, yeah, I was you. cheating. Hmm. And and the women still beat the guys. I'm like, how? How? I gave you the verse. You had your thumb there. And... My wife was one of them. She she was just disgusting that way. She would just stand up and start reading the Bible. It's like stop. <laughs> but anyhow, it's it's a simple thing you can do. To, if if you can't find verse, make a game out of it. Yeah. Um. Now, if you have if you have rebellious children, then this is going to look differently than children who are under control. Um. You know, oftentimes that that times that means that you first need to train your children. Um. Things like how to just sit still for fifteen to thirty minutes at a time. It's just basic, but you got to do that before you're going to be able to do some kind of family devotion. Yeah, if you're if you hear doing family devotions and you and your wife are thinking, "Oh, we there's no way." Um, well, then there's something you need to start ahead of time, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So again, teach them to sit in the couch, uh, give them some books, um, start at five minutes with an egg timer, and they're not allowed to get up them from the couch until the egg timer goes off and, and just slowly extend that until they're able to sit still and quietly for 15 minutes and then build from there. It's, it's real simple. But yeah, you, you, you got to have control of your home. So that's the first tip. Just figure out where you're at spiritually as a home. Second, uh, then figure out the rhythm of your home. Um, this is simple, but when does the whole family actually get together? Um, and and here's the rub. If they never are together, they repent. <laughs> I mean, there's something wrong if your family is never gathered. Uh, it, it, and you have to learn to make that a non-negotiable to the best of your ability. Now, life gets in the way, right? Uh, there's people who have unique sick, sicknesses or something like that or travel responsibilities. But 
there should be able still to be able to be found some kind of a rhythm where the family is able, if you make choices, to be together. So at the same time, you want to be flexible with that, but not overly so. Um, with, with my home, the way we started out was we did at breakfast time, and that worked really well. Uh, but then I had to get into the office earlier and earlier, so that kind of went out the window. So then I would actually come home for lunch, uh, and then later it was dinner. So then later it was bedtime. There was always something, but we, we, had, to, we had to flex. Um, but, but the point was, w- when can I gather my family together and invest in that time? Yeah. Uh, third, start very simple and very basic. Okay, um, that, that can't be emphasized enough. Because people say, we're going to do family devotion. Next thing you know, a stack of books shows yeah. up on a coffee table. Dad's preaching a sermon. And, <laughs> and, and we're going to memorize yeah. the longer version of the Westminster Catechism. Right. Yeah. You're like, really? <laughs> How about you just find Job? Right. Um, so, so start very basic and very simple. Um, you know, as we were saying, most way overdo it from the beginning. And if you do that, everyone's going to hate you. Um, (laughs) you're going to be doomed to fail, um, because there's just no habit there yet. There's no discipline that's been formed. Um, you know, it's like when you're starting to weight lift or run or something like that, you know, you're good for a week and then not so much. Um, or if you just try to squat as much as you can, and then you can't walk for four weeks. (laughs) Um, you know, if you have smaller children, 10, 15 minutes at first, um, older ones, 15 to 30 minutes, but, but be discerning. If you, struggle with this yourself, then you ought not to be shocked that your children are going to struggle even more. Um, yeah, they, your child just models you in all the ugliness of what you really are. If you're not a disciplined person, right. then your children will be all the more. So, yeah. Right. So, be wise. Yeah. So, we, we would say pick, pick a book of the Bible to read. Just start with that. Again, you don't have to whip out some kind of theology manual and start going to town, just pick a book of the Bible and read it. Not one that's complex, you know, don't go to Hebrews, don't start in Revelation, you know, don't do something strange like Song of Solomon. <laughs> um, you know, just do do Genesis or do Kings or Chronicles, just his, historical books. Um, do, do Acts or one of the Gospels. I mean, their story, their narrative, they're engaging um, in the New Testament. Proverbs are always a great thing to do as well, um, especially when time is tight, they're short, uh, pithy things. Uh, read whatever the story is and then stop. So you're not looking to get through all of Genesis in one sitting. And, and don't let the chapters define you. I right. mean, yeah. Yeah. Figure out where the story ends and end. Find the natural breakdown. Right. Um, for, for little kids, um, you know, have, have them sit on your parents' lap and read it. Um, for older ones, have them, you know, get their own Bibles, open it, and then read along. Um, you know, once they can read, immediately have them read even one verse and then praise them for it. And yeah. that's so that's so important. Um, don't have this expectation. And then when they do it, it's just like, good. It's praise them. They're doing something right. So, uh, if people knew the history of the public school system or the whole education system of America, the purpose of it was to prepare them so they can then read their word. Right. And... Um, it, it was that simple. Uh, did did you know that was the start of uh, Sunday school too? Yeah, from yeah, uh, Deal Moody. Moody. Yeah, was all these kids couldn't read, 
And so it's like, how can you bring them the gospel if they can't read the word? So he started bringing all these uh, poor children into the church for Sunday school. And the purpose was teaching them to read and they'd use the word and the rest is history. But yeah, make your children read. Don't make it a passive thing. If if they know their time is coming up and they got to pick up and start reading verses 12 to 20, you know, they're looking at it and they're thinking about it. And and you, you at least have engaged their mind for those few verses. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then, of course, praise them. Is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Help them with the hard words, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's okay. Um, don't, yeah, never mock a child when they're trying to read the word. Just... Don't mock your child, but yeah. <laughs> definitely not when Good they're trying. Up. When they're trying, yeah. Um, yeah. Then, then ask basic questions from the text. Um, you know, so so what did we learn about God? What did we learn about sin? You know, is there something that we should obey or stop doing? But mostly make it about God. You know, make observations about how He is all powerful, how He is good, how He is judge, how He is faithful. Um, those passages that show that he is patient, that he hears us, that he gives good things to us. Um, what you're doing is you're training them to read the Bible rightly then. Right. That it's first and foremost a book about the person of God, not about them. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, then pray. Sim- simple prayers um, that are built around what they've just learned about who God is. And... I want to emphasize that I actually had, I'm meeting with a young man, a young teen, and I asked him, I said, hey, would you pray uh, for our meal? Because we had a meal together. And, he, you know, he kind of blinked and it's like, man, first time I'm meeting with a pastor and he's asking me to pray, you know. And he, it was a fine prayer. But afterwards I said, so you did good. I said, but let me encourage you. When somebody asks you to pray for the meal, just pray for the meal. Just ask for a blessing on this time, the food, and our conversation, and and say amen. I said, don't make it a long prayer. You're laughing. I do that to my kids all the time, um, especially Quinn. She's just very thankful. Oh, yes. Like, yeah. Well, the kids, food. they bless have to food. do every th- single thing. Yeah. Father, we know you are an electing God. <laughs> oh, no. That's that's how, that's, that's and from the perfections of your Trinitarian nature, overfloating. Yeah. <laughs> Poor Mark. Yeah, the stomach is gurgling. <laughs> well, it's it's like when you ask somebody to close in a Bible study. Yeah. You're like, would you close? I want to go home, please. And, and yeah, they, no. they do a whole recap. Yeah, we know. <laughs> so, so again, if you're going to want to do the devotions and your children will enjoy it, then don't make this a burden. Make it a delight. I mean, when you're holding the child on your lap, while you're reading the Bible to them, that's a precious time to them because they're just with mom or dad. Um, and when you pray, make them simple prayers. And what you're doing is you're showing your children this is how you can pray. You're yeah. just you're Teaching you're speaking them. to God. Um, and then there's some advanced things if you want to call them advanced. If you want to try them, uh, <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> yeah, want to turn Next it up a notch. <laughs> <laughs> Bonus round, but but um, everyone's like, "What the heck?" <laughs> yeah, no, we w- we would add singing. Um, now, I'm not a musical household, uh, but we would find fun songs. So I don't know if anyone knows like um, 
I'm in the Lord's Army. Did you guys grow That's up Penny's with that? Penny's favorite song. Oh, well, we would do it, and it was dangerous because <laughs> oh, yeah. we would stand up and march with our fists closed yeah. and be punching each other mm. and slapping each other when you're flying over the army. great. But you know what? The kids actually looked forward to it, and Maddie enjoyed it because as a little boy, I mean, he's really going at it yeah. with his dad. and. Um, but we'd also have a song by Fernando Ortega called Children of the Living God. And it just had this wonderful beat. And and the kids would ask me to turn it on. We'd play it. And I'd dance around the room with my daughters. Mm-hmm. To this day, if we hear that song, I'll, I will almost always end up with one of my daughters holding her hands. And we're just dancing silly around the thing. It It's fun. Um, a, another thing you can do and that we found helpful was read an article out of Voice of the Martyrs. Um, It's a free magazine, but it also lets you see the persecuted church. Um, And it's it's sad because you see people who've been burned or mutilated. And children's hearts are tender. And it's a way to awaken that tenderness and let them see that there is a cost to following Jesus Christ. And so our kids actually prayed for a, a woman that had been held in prison in Iran. Uh, for an extensive length of time and had death sentence. And we prayed for her and prayed for her. And after several months, it, we re- got word that she had been released. And it was neat to watch my little children. Uh, some of them were not yet professing faith in Christ, rejoicing. They're the like, it answered, worked. Yeah. It worked. And it's like, yes. Um, yeah. And then also, this is an advanced move, but don't just as a father pray, have your children pray. So go around the room and say, look, okay, what are you going to pray for? And, and But make them tell you what they're going to pray for so that you, you can say, okay, now let's, let's think about what we read. And if mm-hmm. God's faithful to his promises, what does that have to do with that prayer? And what you're doing is you're helping them begin to f- have a connection between what I'm reading and what, what I'm praying, pray. that there, there's a reflecting there. And, and, and it's so simple if you make it simple. And it helps the child um, learn, and then you model it in your own prayer. But everyone says a simple prayer around the room. It takes just a few minutes, but everyone's participated. So those are, if you want to call them, your advanced moves. Um, Fourth, involve all the children to whatever degree they're able. Um, Again, have the children read. Um, You know, discuss what should be prayed about. And as you're just saying, assign something to be prayed about. Um, if a hard word comes up, ask, ask them to explain what it means. Um, you know, make them sit properly. Um, no complaining, no whining. Um, and it's very important, especially with older kids who like to cop the attitude. Yeah. Yeah. It involve them, be creative with it, but you don't ever have to, as a father or mother, apologize for gathering your children to have have a time with the word. Um, and so so discern that, discern those bad attitudes or anything like that. But you're also teaching them other things like how to sit, how to listen, how to pray. And what, you, what a lot of parents miss is that they're actually helping them prepare them for corporate worship, um, that, that they're, they're learning to become more active than just a passive guy sitting there and during a sermon or something. Uh, a fifth thing that you can do is accept that life has a way of interrupting things. So just be flexible with this. Sometimes you won't, uh, you just won't have them. Uh, This was our constant struggle. I grew up in a home where my father, once a year, 
became really convicted, and he'd start doing devotions with us for a short time. But he was a busy man. He traveled three weeks out of the year, I mean, out of the month. Mm -hmm. And so it was just always off and on. And so I never developed it. My wife grew up in a non-Christian home, so she definitely had nothing. So it was hard for us. Uh, Kim wanted it. Um, I was the one that was with seminary and work and everything else. I I just— it. I would make excuses. And we determined when we came here, we were going to change that. But even then, being a pastor, people have emergencies, stuff happens. Um, so be flexible um, and understand that you won't always have them. Uh, but don't let being tired or being stressed ever be your excuse. Right, At right. the same time, you have to, you have to say, no, um, I'm tired, but it's not going to kill me. Um, and sometimes it's just good to mix it up, uh, turn breakfast or dinner into a time to discuss something about the Lord. Uh, again, that flexibility. Um, we sometimes, the only time we could do it was when it was time for him to go to bed. And and so it's putting them in bed, talking to them a little bit, how their day was. I mean, that's that's it. I, I saw them. I walk home. I've been gone for the last 14, 15 hours. I come home and look at Kim. She's like, they're in bed. I'm like, all right. So you go up there, and oh, good, they're still awake. And you talk with them. How was your day? What did you learn? And you work the the word in the Lord, and then you say, let me pray. And you pray for them. Um, if that's all you can do, that's all you can do. Uh, it's it's not the moment. It's it's the long-term effects of faithfulness that, that you're looking for, that, that they're seeing that this is part of my life, this is part of the fabric of our home. Uh, six, use this to help teach the children to develop their own spiritual disciplines. That's huge. Yeah. Um, without an exception, everyone that we know who struggles with reading the Word as an adult um, did not do it as part of their day as a child. It's yep. just not that built-in discipline. And so we always just made it, um, we homeschooled. And so part of their curriculum was that they had to read for half an hour every day, no ifs, ands, or buts, their Bible. Um, and and that, that was job that Kim did. But um, I was the reward. Uh, because I was gone so much um, and I was so busy, what we told the children is every time they read through their Bible, um, they had a whole day with no no one but dad and and I we didn't have any money but we we figured out something to do and and I I made it a point that I'm walking around holding my daughter's hands we're we're having fun but but reward them um I I would when I'd come home I'd always ask them randomly um so they never knew you know what did you, what did you read today and uh, they and then I was smart. I would actually mark down wh- what book of the Bible they said. So if three days later I asked, you know, a daughter, "What did you read?" and all of a sudden there are nine books ahead, you're like, "No, no, I know you." Uh, so it, it's a way that you can help them be accountable. But but what you're trying to do is develop that so that um, you can even just gather them together as they get older. Um, and just say, look, let's do our Bible reading. And so you're all quietly doing your Bible reading sure. together. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a seventh one, um, there are resources that can help you. I, I've already mentioned the Voice of the Martyrs. Um, we also implemented me praying a blessing over the children. Um, this was something started at uh, Bethlehem Baptist up in uh, when Piper was a pastor. Now it's called uh, Truth 7 8. 
org. That's the, the family that developed this. They actually have a website. Um, and they have these little cards that you can buy, or I believe they have now an app. Um, and, and what they did is they went through the Bible and found specific verses and turned them into a, a blessing. And so what what was so neat about this is I thought, man, I don't know, this seems corny and uh, kids aren't going to like it. My children actually would seek me out. And it, what was most uh, emotional for me was at, at the end of those really bad days where it seems like all you've done is discipline your children and it's like, my goodness, they're the spawn of Satan. Yeah, you're just exhausted. At the end of the day, and they're going to bed, that I would hear one of them coming downstairs and I'm already ready because it's like, what do I got to rebuke them for now? Yeah. And it's like, Dad, yeah, you didn't bless me. <sighs> that just tore my heart apart, you know, and I got up and, and they wanted that blessing from their father and you would literally put your hand on their head and you would pray this blessing and you go to bed, to bed, to bed. And uh, it, it, it was a precious time. Uh, you can use catechisms too. There's all kinds of catechisms out there. Um, make certain it's a biblical one. Um, review your Bible memory. Uh, your Sunday school teachers will love you for it. Um, there's a book by Milton Vincent uh, called The Gospel Primer. It's excellent for older kids. And you can assign a chapter. These are just simple resources uh, that goes beyond just simply reading the Bible. Uh, Ethan, learn to make your home Bible-centered in all things. And um, it'll just, it's going to make everything better. Um, so, so train yourself to look for life illustrations of Bible examples. Um, you know, as they, as they get into the later teens, they should be seeing the world through a biblical lens, not just, they shouldn't have a dichotomy between church right, and life. Right. I mean, it's all of it is God's creation. Um, make them give, um, make them bring their Bibles to church and not, electronic ones, but actual physical Bibles. I know, I know that's unpopular to the, in this age, but yeah, well, make them bring a Bible. Um, make them take notes. And that's why. <laughs> um, yeah. And then, and then look at them though, you know, don't just assume they're taking notes. Um, look at the notes. Um, you know, if, if they're lazy, then have them listen to the sermon again and then do proper notes. Um, you know, don't be afraid to have actual standards and expectations. Your goal isn't just to get them to like church or not begrudge coming to church. Your goal is to instill disciplines in them early on. Um, so start young and likely you won't regret that. Yeah, if I ever wanted to rant when they talk about why are the young people leaving the church, it's like, well, one, they're half the time they're not regenerate. And the other half is the whole ch the church experience has always been about entertaining them and nobody has ever taught them the discipline of what, corporate worship looks like right. and that's what you're trying to do there yeah um confess sin to your children um you have to be a model of what it looks like to be a christian i i do this a lot of times in counseling when when fathers come to me and say will you meet with my son or will you this or with that with my wife even and i'll say okay and i'll get the son and his father in the room together and what's the problem? And the father just starts launching and the kid's being a pain. And it's like, all right, all right. And then I'll, I'll I say, I've just got questions about your home. And I'll look at the father and say, or the son, I say, can you tell me the last time that your father confessed sin to you? And the room just gets deadly silent. 
And and the reason is because the father isn't. All he's the only thing he ever does is at best is yell at his son about his failings. It's like, all right, so here's your problem. You you're, you're not even showing your son what it looks like to fail, and then as a Christian, what it looks like to repent and make a reconciliation between the persons that you sinned against and all of that. Is that that should be part of your life. Every one of my children can tell you times that my wife or I or us together came into them and spoke to them about our sin, how we have sinned against them, where we let our anger, whatever. So such a simple thing, but just model. Yeah. Um, another thing you can do is whenever you go somewhere, if it's errands or whatever you're doing around town, if possible, um, take take a child with you and then talk about things. So you see, I think this is one we've talked about, but if you see someone, you know, acting a fool, explain to your child why that's a fool biblically. <laughs> you know, if you see someone doing something good or praiseworthy, explain why that's good or praiseworthy and begin the conversation, begin the dialogue um, and get them to observe the world in a certain way. Yeah. Um, you know, but also make, make it fun. Um, you know, make it serious, but weave fun in with it. If your goal is just to accomplish your mission and the kid's just an appendage to you because they had to come with you or something, um, there's no value to that. Now, I, I taught all my children the proper way to lick an ice cream cone. And if you want to watch the family household devolve into yelling, um, as they talk about the various experiences of other people who are not, the properly taught people uh, lick their ice cream cones. You know, that, that was a fun thing. We would sit, me and what, my daughter, on the sidewalk. i buy him an ice cream cone and i teach him. But we would do that, but we'd also talk of spiritual things. That's that idea right. of make fun. It, right, it, right. it doesn't have to be, oh, great, I'm going to the store, dad's going to preach. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this right. will be great. <laughs> Can my brother yeah. go? Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, also, we would, you know, a father who teaches their child how to fish or how to catch a ball or how to get good grades, whatever, fill in the blank, but doesn't teach them to read the word and value the word and treasure it is, quite frankly, a foolish father. Yep. Um, you know, apply that idea throughout all things. And again, likely you're not going to regret it. Um, don't ever apologize to your children for having Christian standards. You already said this. Um, is that as long as they live in your home, they are to live by those standards. But but this one's a little bit broader than, it's like, in other words, no, I don't get, you know, here's the excuse I'll get from fathers. Their their son is 15 and he wants to listen to some garbage or watch stuff or act in a certain way. And he's like, well, you know, he's not a Christian. It's like, I don't care. He lives in your home. This is a Christian home, and there's Christian standards, and that's what your son will comply with. And you never have to apologize for that and never stop it. Um, he, he needs to understand that when he walks into that household, that it's a different world than whatever world else he is. Now, once he moves out, if he wants to live as a fool, he can live as a fool, but not within the walls of the home. Um, and then last, don't dump the spiritual growth of your children onto someone else. Um, you communicate an enormous amount of sad truth when you do that. If you're if you're dependent upon some Sunday school program or some youth group, yep. uh, you already lost. You yep. know, and this is this is the evil and I'll just I mean the evil in choosing churches based off of children children's programs or what they can offer your kids or relationships or something silly like that. 
Um, you know, if you're, if you're hoping the church is going to make your kid a Christian and make them love Jesus, you've lost. Yep. Biblically, that's the responsibility of the parent. So do family devotions. Yeah. Just do it. Do it! Just do it! Thank you, Mark. Um, like everything else in the Christian faith, though, it takes you have to take the long-term approach. You might be tempted to stop after a short time because you're not seeing immediate results. You're going to see kids, if you're starting, especially with older ones, they're going to wait you out. They're going to like, you know what, dad always starts stuff and doesn't finish them. So right. we'll just endure for the last, and, and we'll make it as miserable as possible for them. That's why so you make them. Sooner, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's like, no, you're going to sit up. That's why if, if they want to play games with note taking in my home, that's why I would then say, oh, okay, well, I'll bring the tape home. That's back when we had ta- uh, audio tapes and you'll listen to it again and you'll, you will write the notes. So it's like either do it in church or, or do it five more times at home, but you're going to do it. So yeah. <laughs> learn to do it. Um, understand it's just slow, faithful work of laying down layers of truth and discipline that will yield a future harvest. So these are our tips. We hope that they've been of some help in getting you started. But until next time, make sure, sure to tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think. Don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review, and also tell your friends. <laughs>